very much for tuning in to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. I'm Robert Scrobe, and on today's show, we're going to be featuring Sadia Ali. She is a customer journey mapper and design sprinter hailing from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. She works at Epic Consulting, where they strive to surface the voice of the customer through various activities and programs involved in their work. The conversation I have with Sadia explains her background, what got her involved in design, and some thoughts on where she could go in the future. Hope you enjoy the show, and we'll see you on the other side. So Sadia Ali, thank you very much for joining the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. Thank you for having me over, Robert. We met through the virtual design sprint event last November. You are in the United Arab Emirates. And yes. you're into journey mapping, design sprinting. Uh, you, you've been consulting for quite a while. It looks like you also were a financial analyst at one point. So yes. there's a lot there in, in your background. But w- as a good introduction to who you are, why don't we start with your professional journey, where you originally started, where you ended up today, and feel free to include anything interesting you'd like. By qualification, I'm a chartered accountant, and right, I started my career as a financial analyst. And that uh, at that time, I never thought that I'll be into this kind of uh, profession because even these days, CX customer experience is still related to marketing. Uh, it's a uh, it's a bit journey my uh, my you know transformation from accounts and finance to. CX or marketing. I won't say it marketing because it's uh, when you are into this, I, I can say it's, it's very different from the marketing profession. But um, as a chartered accountant, I started off with Grant Thornton. Uh, while I was studying, I did some internships and I taught uh, accounting to BBA classes. But after I finished my ACCA, I joined Grant Thornton as a financial analyst. I worked there for a short while, and then my husband got a job in Kuwait. So I had to move to Kuwait. So from there, um, my kid uh, had a certain syndrome, and I had to take care of her. And, you know, there was a point uh, I had to decide that uh, is it my career or my child. So, of course, family comes first. So after like, but you know, there was something that kept on, you know, banging my dad. I want to do something. I have to do something, you know. Uh, there was some, I was always, you know, into career and this sort of thing. So uh, after a few years when things started uh, to look settled down and stable, because, uh, uh, you know, when my child was sick, it was a lot of hospital, hospitalization in and out. And uh, I think uh, there are certain things, um, you can say your experiences in life, they take you somewhere. So, you know, all the experiences of, of healthcare related issues and, you know, the frustrations, the good parts, the bad parts, I, uh, I think somewhere deep inside they, they, they make you, they make you the person you are. So from there I... Uh, and in a meanwhile, when I thought, okay, now it's time to get back into career, I uh, I didn't have any idea of this CX thing or what uh, marketing. Still, I was into finance. I thought that, uh, okay, uh, I started to explore uh, fi- uh, Islamic finance and I started to study and I thought I'll go with some certifications and, you know, join again to some consulting or bank or 
then uh, while i was in that process i came to know that my mother her cancer came back and this time it was terminal so again it was uh, that fork in my life that family or career so again i chose my family and alhamdulillah i'm, I'm really proud of this that uh, you know i i made now looking back i i realized that i made the right decision so two years uh, my mother she struggled and she lost her life i lost my mother and then fine uh, then uh, and when my mother was sick from kuwait i moved to pakistan i stayed with her for two years and then we came to here uae united arab emirates and from here i started off uh, and then uh, my husband and myself and then when my mother was sick again it was my experience with healthcare and you know hospitalization and what uh, and you know talking to people listening to their stories uh, what pain they are going through what experiences they have um i think uh, certain things are uh, i've always been interested in observing people uh, i studied psychology a little bit uh, i was more of a person who who loves to observe people and listening to their stories and and interestingly from the very early age i don't know why but uh, you you may think that something that uh, it's uh, it's a coincidence you can say that i've always uh, tried to put myself in other person's shoes uh whenever there was something i uh, what i try to do i i always ask myself that uh, what if i was in her or in his place what if i was facing the same situation so these sort of things and these discussions and these experiences they all led uh, and my husband and myself we, we thought of you know coming into this customer experience profession my husband is also a chartered accountant by profession by the way so we started this epic consulting and uh, from there so far it's no turning back so it's good journey mapping and uh, initially we t- we focused on smes uh, because we are a small firm and uh, but smes uh, they are uh, they don't want to invest in a thing which has you know which is a long term process so that's that's been a struggle and uh, from there when i read the book sprint which a friend of ours he gave to us uh, when i read that book sprint uh, it really you know it was very fun reading that that stories you know uh, blue bottle coffee and uh, savioke ro- robot so that and the thing that was fast process it you know um, it just caught my attention because this this was something we were really struggling uh, client especially SMEs they don't want to invest in something uh, they they want short term solution or yeah like instant solution instant return so sprint was something that uh, caught my attention and uh, while doing some google research i came uh, to know about design school school by tenif in hyo so i joined his class i i did the course with uh, design school school so no doubt it was very extensive course it's a four week course you you go through all the material and this like you do some sort of practical thing with the you know you work on a case study but it's uh, something very different from actual design schools so i have to say this is probably the easiest podcast i've done to date because you literally <laughs> touched on 
16 different things I wanted to ask questions about, and you just were like, hey, this is what it is, and here's where I'm at. And <laughs> All right, then. That's perfect. Okay. So after uh, the, uh, my story hasn't finished yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I got, let me let me ask you one thing before you get you get going again. Um, sure. You mentioned that your ability to be able to put somebody yourself in somebody else's shoes has been a trademark for yourself in your career, mm-hmm. and I equate that to empathy. Uh, I I won't say my earlier career. It was it it was maybe you can say part of my personality, but maybe I was in the wrong career for that. Audit, finance, accounting, uh, that's something very uh, number crunching. Those are, uh, I enjoyed that, but uh, maybe my personality was not meant for it. It could be. It, it's one of those things where you you have to experiment to figure out if what you're doing is really speaking to you. Yeah, yeah. So empathy, do you mm-hmm. find that you deploy that with your current work in your consulting? Do you find that Empathy is something you lead with. Yes, yes, uh, and that's what we try to do whenever we we are uh, working on some proposal. We always try to put ourselves into our client's shoes. What he might be thinking, what why he would work with us. I mean, and we try to make a map that okay, at what at this point, why why or why would he why would he work with us? Why would he uh, what would he be thinking? So yeah, empathy does uh, it does play a, a big role in everything in professional and with your colleagues, with your uh, friends, with your family, everywhere. If you empathize, people get comfortable with you. I always strive for understanding and really listen to what people say to make sure I'm comprehending what they're saying. Too many times in the past, especially early on, I would hear something and my confirmation bias would kick in, and I'd fixate on that, and the rest of the conversation, 75% of it, I would totally wipe out or not even think about. And it was a it was a big hang-up for me uh, from professionally for a while until I had to correct that when I went into my own consulting uh, about at least a decade ago. Mm-hmm. With what where you want to go with your consulting and, and design sprints, if you're looking forward into next year, what are some things or activities or projects? What are you looking forward to doing in the coming year? Yeah, uh, for for epic consulting, we we are uh, you know uh, there's a niche we want to focus on. One is customer journey mapping, because we started off as uh, uh, my husband um, is uh, he's also a chart accountant, so he loves number crunching. So uh, initially, our focus was data analysis and data analytics. And, but uh, we then, uh, you know, uh, refocused and re, uh, rearranged our uh, vision, and uh, and we moved into this uh, customer journey mapping and voice of customer. So for now, uh, our focus is to grow ourselves into uh, design sprints and customer journey mapping because uh, uh, as i mentioned that we have a project coming up um, inshallah and what we are what we are trying to do is to combine is to blend customer journey mapping and uh, some of the exercises what i've learned from design sprints to design sprint school and virtual design sprint so uh, customer journey mapping is 
uh, the way we do it's a very detailed thing you we take voice of customer and we take insights and we uh, take quotes of and we make do persona building and we do a workshop with our clients and you know we choose key journeys and later on what uh, what we are planning to do is when the point comes and there are pain points and the area where we have to do brainstorming i'm planning to in fact i'll take your uh, advice on it as well uh, what i'm we are planning to do is to introduce ldj at that point just to introduce design sprints through you know this uh, part because when there's a point to brainstorm uh we'll introduce ldj and just to let them let the clients know that this is uh, this thing is something later on if they want to you know test this idea or test the solution we can adopt design sprinting that way so virtual design sprint uh, has been a really really great experience for me as i told you design sprint school i learned a lot and it you know it it really helped me in exploring and in building my interest in design sprints but you know the way we did in virtual design sprint it was the real i felt the real rigor of design sprint you know four days five days it was a roller coaster and i joined uh, as a co-facilitator with sabrina but you know somewhere um down the <laughs> first day second day i just felt myself lost and you know since it was going too smooth and sabrina was handling it so well so you know i just thought okay go with the flow <laughs> sort of thing and uh, and then you know it 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 really gave me the flavor of design sprint you know when they say that once it's on then you know you're into it so it, that's why it was a great experience and i and secondly uh, i've uh, made a facebook group Uh, for building more awareness about designs in pakistan and this virtual design sprints it's a really good idea what what i'm thinking of doing that uh, just to let uh, once there's a little bit more traffic on that group uh, i i want to engage people uh, in the, something we can do remotely that way i can build uh, you know uh, uh, the way we were thinking of working on a design sprint referral network group so i know that uh, you know i have some people who can i uh, i can team up with if i want to do design sprint that way because you know um something uh, because there's a price factor involved in this if uh, if i want to uh, if i want to do a design sprint in pakistan especially uh, i'm uh, i won't be able to you know ha- uh, to get resources from uh, you know international community price wise that won't be sufficient i mean price wise that won't be competitive i i won't be able because i won't be able to charge that much from pakistan market so that way something remotely i want to do similar sort of thing to to see that you know i can what kind of resources i can get get hold of if i need to design script in pakistan especially that may be true you also have the opportunity especially if you're in a niche market locally to rally people around what you do with design sprints this is a story i'm seeing play out in places around the world where say like uh abel who was on the podcast before mm-hmm. i remember some of his commentary was around not many people know about design sprints they are unaware of it mhm Yeah. maybe it's more known in the states 
I thought that was a distinct advantage because you're first out of the gate. If you are the one of the central authorities or the authority in your locale for design sprints, mm-hmm. there's nothing hey, you couldn't still do it virtually, but mm-hmm. you have the resources available to you locally to get involved. And yeah. if the design sprint referral network becomes a reality, which I hope it does, Charlie. you could essentially put up something that says, hi, I'm out here in Dubai. We're going to engage in a design sprint in a month. I'd like to know if there's anybody in the international community that would be willing to get involved. And you wouldn't advertise it to the network. You would actually ask people that you've worked with before, like Sabrina or myself or Brian Lung or Juggernaut or other folks that you have some level of trust with that may be able to connect you with someone that they know. And that's where I think it could really work. So it's not necessarily not being able to have at your fingertips a wide range of talent and available people that want to get involved. I think it's a matter of that resource being available to you so you could have that option. If you suddenly have a client that says, you know what, I did that LDG with you, Sadia, and I think it's wonderful. I would love to get an eight-person team together. They can. Some of them can be local. They can be virtual. It's up to you. Uh, this is the business outcome I want to achieve. This mm-hmm. is what I want. I would like to see happen with this. You can basically plan it out, but from a resourcing perspective, or I wouldn't say resourcing, from a, a people management perspective, you could tap that network and say, here's the opportunity. Here's what kind of work it is. Here's who I would ideally like to have. And the two or three people that you have a high level of trust in can go, okay, well, when do you need to know by? I need to know by Friday. This is something I need to get back to the client to. Then you have that turnaround and you potentially could have something in, in pocket when you go and say, here, here are some people that I'm thinking about bringing in. Or they trust you enough to say, oh, well, if you have a team, great. Let's, get, let's work on execution and, and logistics. Mm-hmm. It, it could work out like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea because you know uh, the other downside of the first uh, the part I was suggesting that quality. If if uh, if uh, one if a person limits herself to or himself to a certain you know a community, then uh, quality gets comp- there's a chances that you won't get that much quality because if you have a bigger community to approach to, then chances are that uh, you can maintain the quality and you can find resources that are really really you know, you get the skills from the resources you're looking for. I've also been very proactive in telling people that I've interviewed here and elsewhere to really start putting out what they do in, out in the open on for their marketing and for social and explain mm-hmm. to people what Epic, for you, for example, what Epic Consulting is, what customer journey mapping is to you, how you do the voice of the customer, Start doing a lot of that; those artifacts online so that people can find you when you're not available and get a taste for what you're all about. Understand your perspective, your point of view. You could even do it in your native language, in, in something that locally would, would be easier for you to explain if you had done it in some other, uh, other language besides English mm-hmm. and just see how that tracks, see how people kind of, uh, kind of connect to it. It, it yeah. would all depend on your comfort factor and how much time you have given that and you have other obligations. But it would be fascinating for me to see you someday in a video saying, here's all about how I do customer journey mapping. It could be five minutes. It could be a simple whiteboard with a with a cam from your computer. 
But it would be, oh, I know Sadia, and I'd take a look at it, and, and I would ask questions, and it would be interesting for me to see how somebody else goes about doing that sort of activity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're right, you're absolutely right, especially language is a, is a great barrier uh, sometimes. It, 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 it's a big frustration because here, Middle East, um, majority of, uh, you know, even high level, there's a problem. With, they prefer Arab-speaking person. Uh, since I'm from Pakistan, uh, my native language is Urdu. I don't know, uh, I just know very little Arabic. And that's a big hindrance for me as well. So it, uh, even uh, if something, and people when you, uh, when you, you know, if, if you're explaining uh, a thing, something to them in, in another language, sometimes they don't get the hang of it and they don't, uh, they don't listen to uh, that thing with uh, too much, uh, you know, interest because they can't they can't completely grasp the concept of it. I think there's a lot of advantages to basically putting yourself out there in a way that's comfortable for you, but really showcases what you're all about. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Let's get into customer journey mapping. Do you do a lot of user research up front? How much investigation do you do in relation to the problem? How does it typically work from your standpoint? It depends on the client budget, basically, because if you if they already have some uh, feedback available, what we do, we, we just go through the feedback, we sit down with the management and we decide with the uh, team that what, what their key target segment is and what are the key journeys they want to you know, map. And if they have something already with them, uh, some data, we, we take that data and we involve customer-facing staff like uh, like uh, we did the workshop with a real estate customer, real estate developer here in Dubai. So we involved the people from sales, marketing, finance department, and even receptionist. We involved them, and uh, they didn't have any customer feedback, uh, you know, documented or any. Uh, they don't. They didn't have any voice of customer or any feedback with them. So initially, what we did whatever uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Information the customer facing staff have, and they have quite a uh, quite a lot of information. They, they uh, quite a lot of feedback they can give uh, because they are constantly interacting with the customers. So uh, it's like it's a it's a as is journey map what we make, and uh, there's uh, no customer involved. But what ideally should be done that uh, you need to involve customer in that. But the the management the people they didn't want to involve customers because they knew that customers were really angry with them. So they said, no, 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 we don't want to invite our customers in this workshop. And then he said, why? Then uh, what's the point? It's, it's, it would be just an artifact you'll make, you'll make and you'll just put it on the wall. What's the point in that? So I, ideally it should, uh, that you should go and you should get customer feedback and involve the customer. If you are, make, if you are making a hypothetical, like whatever. And uh, during, uh, during the workshop, it's really difficult to, to put them in the customer shoes because uh, there comes a point they just start, you know, whatever they think and they start to mapping the process. You just have to keep them reminding them, you have to think from this persona. This is your customer. It, the, the, here is persona. And uh, we, we paste the persona in front of them on the wall, right on the top of the journey map. And it's uh, like we have to constantly remind them and um, and then we invite the customers and uh, if uh, the client was which norm in normally they don't and then from there it's uh, we designed the to be journey map that what kind of journey map but so far so far we have done workshops with uh, mostly 
it's done as is. So for 2B, uh, that's where the point, the LDJ I want to involve that this is something that if they don't, because already journey maps are two days, three days workshops. So if they don't want to spend a lot of time for brainstorming or 2B and, you know, LDJ would be something that will be, you know, something that might, uh, might get their interest. Okay, that's a quick thing, quick brainstorming tool to use. I found that personas have been hit or miss depending on who you present the, them to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bringing in an actual customer really starts to hit home. Yeah. I've, I found that with user interviews and, and user tests, some of the most beneficial engagements have been where after the test is done and there's five to ten minutes, mm -hmm. allowing people in the C-suite, executives, other people that are more sales-focused, numbers-focused, to just start relating with that individual and yeah. asking them what their impressions are. And granted, it's only one person out of potentially thousands. Mm -hmm. it's, it makes the experience more real. And yeah. I've, I've never tried to project it into a user archetype. I've mm -hmm. tried to couch it in terms of trends. Trending numbers and trends tend to speak to them in a certain way. So I've tried to use their language when try, when describing what their customers experience. Yeah. Their their satisfaction with your product is trending downwards for these reasons right. that they that they have said, or the your the the market seems to favor this sort of experience versus what you've offered in the past that's been successful but now is seems. Uh, dated, or that seems a little challenging for people when their option, the, the options they have now in the marketplace are greater. Those mm -hmm. kind of conversations can be tied into journey mapping, especially for customers where you can show the the journey that they're currently on and mm -hmm. new routes that have opened up for them, whether it's with competitors or with the person's own product. It, sometimes it makes a connection that that resonates with that audience. But again, this is just my own experience. How mm. have you found that the the conversations that you've had with your clients, do they react well to personas? Do they do they tend to ask questions related to outcomes? What what's been your experience? Uh yeah, but, uh, if if there's something coming directly from the customer's mouth that you you know that really hits them. You're right. I agree. And persona, uh, why, uh, normally what happens that uh, when you are doing a customer journey mapping workshop, uh, there comes a point, uh, point that the teams, there is uh, a conflict, uh, you know, you can see the tension between the teams, marketing, finance, and, you know, there, there comes a point to start losing interest. Uh, but if uh, in my experience with real estate clients, the sales people they were really very happy with the workshop because that was something which they've been telling the management for a long time, and you know no one was listening to them. But when there was something when we uh, gave our report and the, the quotes we uh, gave from the customer people, management you know they were really okay fine, and it really helped them. Uh, implementing some of the changes in their uh, strategic marketing, marketing and sales and marketing strategy, so it really helped them. And yeah, number-wise KPIs and uh, yeah, you're right. The, the numbers are easy for them, especially CEOs, and you know they want little information but just to the point. 
what do you offer that's different from everyone else related to consulting in your area? How do you differentiate yourself from another company that's offering similar services? Uh, well, uh, here even uh, uh, in way all CX is the recently it has started. You know, people are getting familiar with CX and journey mapping. They are kind of you know buzzwords these, especially CX. Uh, mostly it's uh, with the clients. It's mostly lip service and people they. Uh, generally misunder misunderstand CX with customer service. They, they really, you know, mix both these terms of customer service with customer experience. And uh, we, um, our niche is basically uh, to focus on SMEs. And here in the UAE, there um, uh, we don't know of any firm who's offering customer journey mapping workshops, especially for SMEs. But yes, uh, Deloitte, uh, they are big companies and they they're target for large organizations. But for SMEs, uh, we haven't heard of anyone who's offering workshops. Uh, you know, uh, we try to do in-house workshops and public workshops as well. But uh, you know, it's uh, generally people they want to have, uh, you, they want to go for big names. But for our journey mapping podcast, yes, we uh, we want to uh, you know interview ex uh, practitioners or people who are doing customer journey mapping workshop in their organization. But you know another buzzword here is, and in Pakistan is UX. You know people mix up with uh, most of the things with UX as well. And recently I attended a meetup and uh, they they they've invited uh, some head of UX from the telecom sector. So I asked her that uh, uh, how do you use journey maps in your organization? So their focus is mostly on digital side. So, uh, and I wasn't very really clear that how do they uh, combine CX with UX, and this is something which I'm, uh, you know, I'm putting questions in my group as well, because mostly my group members are from the UX and UI background. So, you know, I recently I've put one of uh, the journey map with an experience with a bank and you know sanitized map. And I've asked questions from UX guys that how do they see it and what kind of improvements would they suggest from UX point of view. So this is something that CX, UX, I just uh, want to you know make it clear for myself as well that are these just jargon or how do really organizations are differentiating between both and uh, how you if, if these they are two different things, how organizations can collaborate CX and UX can collaborate to give a seamless experience to their customers. Are you currently doing a podcast, or are you planning on doing one in the future? Planning, planning, and uh, hopefully we launch into uh, this, uh, January 2019 because this uh, this week and you know we've just uh, started uh, you know building uh, the infrastructure and everything. But you know this uh, it's holiday season, vacation time, everything is slow down here as well. People are on vacation leave. So, uh, inshallah, we are planning to launch next month, next year. <laughs> well, yeah, about the, I think it's probably both, but yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a podcast coming up. You have an existing user group that you talk to UX, UI professionals about, like customer experience and user experience. Um, is there any other activities that you're involved with that you like people to know about? One thing I must say that... Uh, these Facebook groups, uh, anyone who can even design a logo is a UX designer. 
and it's really hard to find actually professionals the that's why i really like the idea of this uh, dsrn uh, you know you there's someone really you know you can trust uh, and you can you know team up with as a resource and sorry i forgot your question yeah you you hmm. asked me about the activities yeah what other activities are you doing next year uh next year this journey mapping podcast customer journey mapping and uh, hopefully design sprinting because uh, you know uh, i i just want that next year uh, i am you know if someone says design sprints in pakistan especially you know my group you know and people can refer or you know my name comes to their mind and uh, next when i go back and i plan to go and you know visit some incubators and just go and talk to them and just tell them that this is something that and to explore avenues that how we can collaborate and, uh, people are doing it's not that the, it's a uh, people aren't doing it but a very few and uh, like for example a uh, top business school lums by the name of lums they have their incubator uh, and they are doing it because then again they they have the resources they can they invite people from the US and from Google and they come and they give and they do this uh, hackathons and workshops but everyone can't afford that and you know there are a lot of people who can't afford and you can't and they can't have this uh, experience or this opportunity and especially as a language wise i also feel because i have noticed that in my group um, i have been uh, interacting in english you know i'm i'm thinking of uh, you know asking people that whatever language they feel comfortable because there's uh, not that much engagement which i want to be i want more people to be engaged they they are able to ask questions and uh, you know i want them to be more engaged in the group so that's why and uh, and another thing yeah i've been thinking of this idea of making a video in urdu and you know just to um, make just to democratize this design sprints and journey mapping and you know to bring more awareness people can people are not dependent on others uh, they have the idea they can start experimenting on their own if they want to. well part of that is also going to be you essentially being the voice that they hear when you talk about how design sprints will work for them what the customer experience journey is all about how you basically approach it it really is a matter of producing content that other people will consume and notice that oh Sadia is talking a lot about this let's listen and figure out what she has to say yeah. that's my hope is that you get in that position so that the first quarter of next year we start seeing a lot more coming from you when you have ample time to do those sorts of things yeah But hopefully you don't want to get overloaded with a lot of things and then suddenly find yourself too committed in some way yeah but uh, as i mentioned we are, we are a small firm so you know we have to wear multiple hats so sometimes you know you have you have things in your mind but you don't have that much bandwidth and don't have that much time to uh, you know launch everything at the same time or you know very very quickly so things are in the pipeline and hopefully we we get more clients and uh, in journey mapping and you know these are two niches that you know when someone says journey mapping in the UAE and Pakistan you know epic concert and design sprints epic consulting so uh, or maybe myself or but basically i am promoting epic consulting so these are the yeah. two things yeah uh, my husband my colleague has been 
leading the journey mapping side, so I'm gradually shifting myself to design sprints. So I'm I'm more into design sprints now. That's and I'm I'm, I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll work out for you. I have no doubt. Thank you. Next year you'll have tw- next year you'll have twenty. If we're uh, here's a good question. If we're talking next year, 2019 in December, tell me what would be a great year and what would be a fantastic year for you. Okay, okay. A great year would be uh, that we we get more stability. Epic Consulting gets more stability, and you know, people uh, we get clients, and you know, just to bring more financial stability. And fantastic year would be that I want to take my daughter to watch Snowfall, and if I'm able to take her, so that would be a fantastic year for me. Where would you go to have her watch the snow? Actually, you know, we haven't been able to go to our northern areas. They're lovely. Uh, Gilgit, Sawat, Naran, Kagan, and, you know, it's, it's they're beautiful. And uh, we haven't been able to go there. So uh, so maybe there or maybe uh, my uh, my siblings, they live in New York and uh, Boston. So maybe there. Good. So, Sadia, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me over and thank you for your time and thank you for giving me the opportunity to participate in Virtual Design Sprint. That has been a fantastic experience and it was a great team. Uh, I don't know, somehow we, uh, there was, uh, you know, we gelled very well. Uh, I hope, uh, you know, I, whenever I get to work with some another team, it's, it's the same way. Thanks again for listening to the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. If you have a question or comment about what you heard on today's show, email me direct at robert at dallasdesignsprints.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. Just do a Google search for Robert Scrobe or ask a friend and see if they know. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.